You are listening to From the Midwest to the Middle East, the latest on U.S. tax, Israeli economy, and lots of in-between. Interviewing Israeli and international experts. Chicago, Chicago. Welcome to our podcast. I am Philip Stein, president of Philip Stein & Associates. Hi, I am really excited to have Vic Boron, who is the head of business development at Tabtail. Tabtail is a leading global creator of interactive books, games, and educational apps, repeatedly recognized as a top 10 games publisher worldwide with 500 million downloads and 33 million monthly active users. They have released over 300 apps for kids since 2010 when the company was founded, and they have operations in six countries. Before Tabtail, Vic served as an audit manager at E&Y and as, as an economist at Sapiens. Uh, Vic, welcome. Welcome. How are you? Very good. So uh, we're going to hear about games today, uh, and I'm looking forward to our listeners to learning about your company and the products you have. So let me start with my first question. Your site seems to contain a lot of fun for young children. Does your website reflect how kids play these days? Uh, um, basically, our, our website represents the distribution of our applications. Uh, most of their users are playing our games uh, only uh, through the mobile, uh, through their iPad devices or Android devices and tablets. Um, as you said, we have about 30, 33 million monthly active users. That means that uh, around 33 million uh, users are playing an app on a week, on a monthly basis, and more than f- six million on a daily basis. Um, that's a lot of attraction to more than 300 applications that we have outside. Most of our users are, as you mentioned, as kids in between the age of five to eight, mostly girls, um, and we release an app basically every week. Uh, which is representative of a, a different episode in the series of application that we have. In other words, when you said the, the, the games are played on mobile or on tablets, uh, these are young children, obviously. They're, they're using their parents' devices, yes. correct? Yes, parents' devices or their family devices. In the U.S., it's uh, more often that you have a device for all your family, although in China, the kids is mostly played with a, with a parent device. All right, so what, what age group is your target audience for the type of apps that you're releasing? Our target audience is in between 5 to 8, um, mainly girls. Uh, I believe and we believe that about 80% of our users are girls. Um, we're not able to, attra- to track uh, the gender of the, the user or his age because of the regulation, but from our understanding, we believe that about 80% are girls, and in between the five to eight, based on our researches. All right. So, with the, with this audience of, of young girls, can you tell us about your apps and which are the most popular? Yes. Basically, we release an app every week. Uh, this app is representative of a different series. So we have the baby series uh, apps that every time the babies are doing a different kind of activities. So one time they're uh, um, activate an airplane. The other time, we're just doing uh, a camping or a PJ party, and all these kind of activities that are sometimes educational ones, sometimes just for fun. Uh, so our baby series is one of the most successful series that we have, 
every amplitude release over there gets more than one million downloads in the first week on um, Apple devices. On Google, it's even more. So this attracts a lot of users that really like and recognize this, uh, this kind of brand. Uh, we also have a doctor series that are doing really well. And we're basically learning from our user which character they like, which activity they prefer. And then our next app is going to be based on that and extend the activity that we found out that they really like. So we're trying to learn what our users like and based on that, bringing them a new content every a week. All right, based on, on the, how your company is set up and that you have users all over the world, how, how do you overcome cultural differences? Uh, are there games that work in all countries or do you have to make adaptations? I believe like it's funny. Uh, every time I ask this question about how Israelis are different from European or uh, U.S. citizens or Chinese or wh whoever they are, and the, the funny thing that I tell everyone that we are Israeli, we always look on the worldwide market rather than our own market. What do I mean by that? That if I go to Russia and meet a, a Russian developer, it will be focused on how to get to the top chart in Russia. That will be probably his main goal. We look at it a bit different. We first of all want to be on the first chart in the U on U.S. and then North America, and then we will take it to Europe, and we are more taken globally rather than locally. Um, most of our apps are localized to more than 11 languages based on our user base, where, where they are, and the requests that we get. Our apps are translated to English, uh, Portuguese, Chinese, German, French, but again, it's mostly kids' apps, so the content over there, the users we found that prefer to, we found that the user prefer to download the app and use it in English because it's uh, improved their English, uh, and that's something that parents find really useful and educational for their kids. So even though the app can be uh, used in Portuguese, users uh, prefer, or parents prefer to keep it in English for their kids to learn a few words in English while it's playing the game. Understood. Very, very interesting. As I said before, you have offices in Israel, Eastern Europe, and China. How, how do you come to have employees in so many countries, and, and how do you uh, manage the time differences? I don't manage the time differences. <laughs> I barely sleep at night because of okay. that. I just got back from the States, and I'm, thrill I'm still trying to get used for the hour differences. But it's a lot of traveling, it's a lot of communication, it's a lot of understanding different cultures. Uh, as you said, we have companies in Eastern Europe, and that's more easily to manage. Uh, the time differences are pretty short, and it's, the communication is it's even uh, it's really good. Uh, but if you take it to Chinese, uh, to China, the time differences is awful, and the cultural differences is something that you need to overcome. And we did it step by step, basically. Uh, once we purchased Coco, Coco Play back in June uh, 2014, at the beginning, uh, we believed that the culture and understanding of each other, us and them, was pretty good. And we improved it with the time. And right now, we got the situation that after half year, they know our process pretty good. 
and we work smoothly on any aspect that we have. Uh, we try to help all the students that we are working with in the places that you know we found um, them weak, and trying to understand, like explain to them why we help them on that aspect, what we bring to the table, and how we can improve things. And when everything su succeeds, everything is good. Also with the states, um, you know, that's uh, there is an, another dif uh, culture differences over there compared to Israelis, and you manage that by understanding the people that you are working with. And that's the most important thing, I believe, in any business that you are working at. It's the people and the people the, you work with. Just trying to do their best and understand the people that you're working with. So if I, if I walk into your office in China or the U.S. or, or Bulgaria, Will I only see locals, or will I see an Israeli in, in every one of those offices? No, you wouldn't see an Israeli. You will see only local. You wouldn't see an Israeli that managed them. We're trying to uh, help them through Israel, but not having a local manager from Israel. Uh, we we're trying to find the right people uh, for managing the studio uh, in each location that, that the team over there will like as well. and will be able to deliver and communicate correctly with us in Israel. It's all about people. I, I don't know how to better say that. Uh, it's all about the communication and how honest you are and how you put things on the table. Uh, when you first start a discussion, even the first interaction, the first email that I ever sent to the Chinese founders, uh, it's all about uh, communication, again, and being transparent as you can in every aspect. Uh, all right, a lot has been written, and you even mentioned it before, about how the world is moving over to quote-unquote mobile. How much of your games, apps, are used on mobile devices? And how does that work for the kids' market? Because the kids you described certainly are not people with uh, tend not to have smartphones at age six uh, for, for the most part. So all our basically content is consumed through mobile. We are really a company that focuses only on mobile right now. Uh, we may extend to other areas as uh, videos and you know content or video, but we are mainly focused on uh, mobile. And we found out that a kid that getting to to the age of six, seven is already aware of what's happening on the after, on the stores. He already aware of what he want to download, how to play games, and it's uh, become more and more common that. Even for me to fly, to, uh, sometime I have a flight to the States and then I found a family next to me and I found that the kids, basically the parents have a device that have kind of a section for their kids with more than 20, 30 apps for their kids that are playing on their mobile. And it's also su always surprising and nice to see Tuttle apps over there. And the kids already know where they can find the content and what they like to play, uh, and when they, in our, based on our researches and what we understand, in the age of six, they already know what they want to download as well. They are less attracted uh, to things that people tell them to play with. Uh, so if a parent will come with a game and ask for his kid, please play, play with that, uh, I'm not sure if the kids will like it, but the kids already get uh, the knowledge to download and play whatever game that you want to. And that's the tricky on this kind of uh, market. Mm -hmm. Because when you're getting to, like, 
we are basically targeting the kids, not targeting, but trying to get to the kids. But at the end, the kids will never pay on the app. It's the parents right, that will appreciate the content and then based on the agent in my life, that's why I call the kids sometimes, because these represent me when you go into experience and ask for a few bucks in order to buy the content of the app. So what happens when the kid is playing the game and the parent's phone rings? <laughs> you may have a lot yeah. of uh, tears. Uh, yeah, if... <laughs> exactly. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, sometimes we found it more like, yeah, kids are in, in this age, having a smartphone even in, in the age of seven or eight, and already know to operate an iPad better than most of us, apparently. Um and and it's interesting to see how we are growing with our users. So if uh, three years ago we had more uh, toddlers apps, so right now it's more kids apps, and I believe that with the time we are just extending our market reach to an older audience and growing with our audience. Well, that exactly leads me to my next question. One, how how long do users tend to stay with an app? And how quick do your users grow out of the app they play with? So uh, the interesting part about kids is that they are playing with a lot of apps uh, in an hour. They moving from one app to another app pretty pretty quickly uh, in one session with their phone or iPad. Um, so basically, you find the kids playing with a lot of games in an hour. Our retention, based on what I heard from the industry, is pretty good. Uh, it's pretty nice, but again, our business is, you know, driving users from one app to another app. But at the end, we found that users staying in our apps. We have one app, a few apps that users. We have retention that sometimes is even better than uh, the most leading games in the industry. Uh, but still, it's games for kids. It's not something that the user that's staying uh, two years in the game is spending a lot of money. Uh, it's a kid and they just like the team and it's just like the activity and they will play with it for two years. They will never delete it from their device. Uh, so the retention, uh, which basically represents the sicknesses of the user in the app, is pretty good compared to the industry and compared to what the research that we did and uh, the things that we hear uh, in the industry. But again, it's a kid's business. It's a totally different from the gaming industry in the way it's monetized, in the way that uh, uh, the user is approached. Uh, and that's something that is challenging, uh, you know, to have a decent uh, business around the kids area. And that's why you don't find a lot of players in that area. So again, you, you describe such an interesting market. And normally, you know, we hear about how, how you do uh, internet marketing and target different groups. So when you're dealing with young children, uh, how does the word get out? Is it, is it basically the parent sees something or does the kid, uh, is, is he go to school or kindergarten and the friend tells them about it? I do believe it's, it's come from three aspects. The first one is basically the way that we cross promote in between our application. That every, so every time we play with one of our apps, I, I will offer you uh, to uh, use other apps that we have, and by that I, uh, you know, I make you explore top-tail portfolio. That's the first thing that I help. The second thing 
is basically most of the kids are like to download uh, top games on the charts. So once you're in the top charts and we're getting there on a weekly basis, the kids are more um, more. Um, I should say, um, the kids can find us. Sorry, on the top charts, and from there is another way to get to our application, and we find a lot of traction to the top through the top charts. Um, and the third one is, as you said, it's uh, from you know another kid that recommend them to download the app. I'm less believer on a on a on a mom's bloggers or or parents that decide to download the game for their kids. I think that in the age of six to eight, it's more about the kid's decision rather than the parent's decision. So they are the one who already knows what they want to download and what they want to play with. But again, there may be a few differences, but uh, in the age of six to eight, uh, five to eight even, the kid already knows what he likes to play or don't like to play with. Okay, so my last question is this, again, uh, uh, I come from from a different generation, but there was uh, <laughs> when when te- when television was probably the the most popular medium. Uh, a parent would sit in a ch- with a child, maybe watch uh, their child's favorite show to get to understand what they like. It was also an opportunity uh, for the parent to learn about the, this, uh, some characters. They might then buy a toy. Is there also this crossover in terms of the parents? Uh, sort of observing the kid playing or this leading to the parents to buy products that might be in the game? Difficult question. I do believe that I don't believe. I assume that parents put their kids in front of the TV in my belief. Again, uh, I'm not a parent, but that's why what I, I assume that they will sit in front of TV in order that the parents will have a few times to relax and a half hour or an hour to do something else. Uh, if the parent is sitting next to a child and watching a TV, um, I, I less believe that that's the, the common thing. I do believe it's more than the parents getting a half hour or hour of relax and they can do something else or just cooking or something different than monitor the kids on a, on a second basis, basically. And that's the thing that I think happen also in the gaming or in the mobile. So the parents bring the iPad to the kids to play with for half hour, hour, certain time through the day, uh, in order for the parents to have a few, a few, uh, uh, should I say, silent or common, calm uh, minutes. But again, maybe, maybe they're sitting together and play with it. It's very interesting. I guess what I was also asking was, have your games or your apps spawned uh, any toys? Yes, yeah, we have a few games. Uh, by the way. And what I said, if you if you if you find uh, what we find mostly, we get comments from grandmothers that playing with their uh, uh, grandchild, and then you find that they're playing together, mm-hmm. and then you get a comment that something I didn't understand something, or I think that it it's not appropriate, or it's more appropriate, and please elaborate more on that thing. So we found more comments on you know a grandmother or grandfather playing with their uh, with the children rather than uh, parents playing with their children, but I don't know what it what it is really saying. There is a lot of research about uh, the new generation who is raising the kids, but again, that's my belief. Um, and yeah, for your que- second question, like your question about connecting uh, products, so we tr- we it's 
still kind of innovation in the industry, but we have apps that you basically can uh, order the character in 3D. So you can print the character in 3D printer and it will get delivered to your house. Uh, that's something that we are trying and exploring, but still this market is, is immature and it probably will grow with the time. All right, so uh, now that people have learned about your company, uh, can you just tell them how they can find more about these apps, these uh, games, so their kids can, or kids or grandchildren can uh, take advantage? Of course, um, they should go to the App Store or their device and go to the store. If it's Google Play or uh, Apple Store, just, click, just search for Tassel and they will get a variety of applications more than 300 applications in a different kind of team, different kind of educational value. Uh, and once they explore one app, they will uh, find out a, a, a huge world of games and educational apps that their kids will like. Um, you just need open one and you, you find a world of application that, and games that kids really attract to and play with. And that's the value that we bring, in my belief. All right, and if any of my listeners uh, would like to uh, reach out to you personally, how can they reach you? LinkedIn, Facebook, my phone number is always there. We will love to hear a lot of, uh, we get a lot of uh, emails from kids that ask for uh, from us to do different kinds of applications or games they, they have in mind. One of the games basically that we lately developed, PJ Party, uh, that was one of the key, one of uh, the founders' kids that uh, asked for this game, and that's why basically he was one of the creative around the the game itself. So we always open for any kind of uh, creative ideas that kids have in mind, and you know we love what we are doing, and we love to hear their thoughts and their reviews, and we like we love to learn. Uh, what they like or dislike, and how we can improve in order to bring them a better content. All right. Well, we look to we look forward to hearing more about your company and your future successes. And uh, as they say, keep having fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.peacestein.com or look for Philip Stein Associates on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bye.